for the week of November 17th. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we review every Star Wars TV show and Disney Plus series, as well as discuss the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are going to discuss The Mandalorian, Chapter 2, The Child, and with me is John. John, how you doing? Good as always. This show is uh, it's continuing to impress, so excited to break it down. Well, as we, as we were trying to acquire the asset from the enchantment, we came into conflict with two <laughs> other bounty hunters, and I believe the first one is uh, Bo York. Hey! Bo, yes, I am. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. Well, we are also excited, and then I see another uh, stormtrooper going on. He's wearing some flash hat, and that would be Bell. Bell, how are you? I am doing fantastic. I am very excited to talk about this show. Last time I was on the show, it was a blast, and I'm sure this one will be a blast as well. (laughs) Well, we received another episode of The Mandalorian in the same week as the first one. Like, this is just, it's Christmas, man. (laughs) Christmas in November, and chapter two holy cow should we just get right into this thing uh one quick correction the enchantment is the encampment i encampment. think yeah i think you misheard uh what's his face uh Ugnot. yeah yeah so uh we had enchantment just splattered all over our last cast and i went and checked because i'm like that can't be right that can't be right uh yeah it's the encampment but anyways <laughs> rolling right along <laughs> Maybe I was thinking Disney enchanting something like that. I don't know, but yeah. en- encampment that doesn't make sense. It's baked into the last <laughs> cast. I just figured we should probably shut that down right out of the gate, so we don't have uh, any more no. on our face. No, it's enchantment. Y'all have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> well, chapter two, the child, directed by Rick Famuoya, and after the Mandalorian acquires the asset, he comes into conflict with some more bounty hunters who want to collect the bounty for themselves, which leaves Mando slightly injured. As Mando tends to his wound, he begins to notice some strange behavior from little Yodel. When Mando returns to his ship, he discovers that the Jawas are taking it apart to sell all the parts. After an unsuccessful attempt to get back the part, Mando once again finds himself seeking the assistance from Kuehl, who wants him to negotiate rather than to disintegrate more Jawas. This leads the Mando on a mission to acquire a Jawa-desired product known as the Egg, and in the process of acquiring it, Mando discovers a little more about Little Yodel. Whoa. (laughs) So this episode, first thing, there are some people that want this this product, this little yodel, as we call him. Um, so, John, what's going on with these two other bounty hunters that he comes into conflict with? Well, we know they have a tracker. So, much like IG-11 was also commissioned to try and track down yodel, we have to assume there's multiple factions or parties that uh, want this little guy. Um, it just continues to open up that mystery, right? Like, we thought this was pretty straightforward. The Empire wanted him for some nefarious purpose, but he's on everybody's radar for some reason. And we have more questions than answers at this point. Right. And we, we definitely see that, that he is a little more valuable than what the Mandalorian previously thought from this episode. So we got sweet little Yodel. And I know that from experience that bell likes these sweet little characters, because of course I did the holiday special. So bell, what, what's going on with sweet Yodel here? So, okay, okay, so is Yodel, is that the preferred nomenclature for, uh, I, I've seen the hashtag Baby Yoda on Twitter, 
but I think Yodel is is perfect and works great. So I I'm okay with that. Let's 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 do Yodel. But it, is there anything official? Do we know what it's actually? No. Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't no, no, so. Yodel was our little play on Yoda and Yaddle. You know, if they were gonna <laughs> hook up, bow, 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 like bow. it. So no, that's Disney Plus and chilled. That's our <laughs> podcast canon. Yeah, that's our podcast canon. But yeah, I don't think we know for sure what this guy's deal is yet. Okay, I didn't know there's any insider information that I no. that I missed out on, but yeah, Yaddle is is perfect, and uh, I love him. I think he's super cute. It was one of those things at the uh, at the end of the last episode. I'm like, all right, what is this thing? This 50 year old dude, and why is this 50 year old dude in this egg? And then it turns out that it was a 50 year old baby, and of course, the little 50 year old baby looked just like Yoda, and that like this was amazing because um, you know Yoda, uh, as far as we knew, was the last of his species, uh, and so it's it's really interesting to see this new child be which which has been alive since the prequels uh we can assume um and so that's that's really really cool and yes uh as zach stated i do love the little weird creatures on star wars especially uh itchy uh (laughs) he's a he's a good one uh but yeah you know it, it was really neat i i didn't know if they were going to go into the force a lot with this show and it seems like that is exactly where they're going with it um with the collapse of the empire with uh little yaddle um being force sensitive as an infant which is which is really interesting uh and 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 clearly there's something up where i'm assuming when he was getting out of his little egg to go uh when when uh uh, mando was uh healing himself or trying to like stitch his wound up i'm assuming he was going to try and do some sort of force stuff there Mm -hmm. um but that was it was super cool and i i think it's just the cutest thing in the world i mean is is he not is is he he or she we don't know we don't know it could be uh uh, we don't know the, the the gender of little yaddle, but uh, I think it's I think it's super awesome, and it's it's really interesting because I'm, I'm super curious to see where they're going to go with it. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely want a little toy, a stuffed animal, preferably of little uh, yaddle, because that would just be the cutest thing ever. Every time he comes up on screen, and he he looks like he's always about to cry, and it makes me you know <laughs> kind of the the cute reaction where I too want to cry. Yeah. And I think he was uh, scientifically designed to sell toys. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You, you couldn't squeeze more adorableness into that character if you tried. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A big win. Not since BB eight. Have we had anything this adorable in star Wars? <laughs> well, something else that's adorable. And I want to throw this one to Bo because I know Bo has uh, spent a lot of time in Mississippi where they too like to eat frogs out of swamps. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's Louisiana. man. <laughs> Oh, come on. Yeah. Frog legs. That, that's more, that's more of a Louisiana thing, right? Right. Can we give that to Louisiana? Not us. Sure. Go ahead and give it to Louisiana. <laughs> but for you, how'd you respond to little yodel? Uh, all right. So like since episode one, as soon as he was on film, I mean, I'm almost immediately I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that man, this, this, this show has got some cojones. Cause I mean, like, and I mean, given the fact that you've got Filoni and that you've got uh Favreau behind the scenes making this happen. I mean, there, there are no two better to creep up on a sacred cow like Yoda and or Yoda's species than these two guys right here. Like if it's not going to be George Lucas, it better be these guys. Nobody else can touch this. And so first of all, like props to them for even even going in this direction. Uh, but no, I, I love this character. It, it, there is kind of a, a, a timidness about the subject matter because it is such a sacredly held you know, theory area for many of us who have been like speculating as to Yoda and his people and, you know, where they came from and what they're about. And are they the wills? Are they not the wills? And, you know, even that alone, you know, the Clone Wars kind of 
uh, push the wheels in a different direction. But regardless, like there's just a lot of potential speculation that has existed around Yoda and his species. And Yaddle really kind of was the first opportunity for them to kind of break open the door for the fact that Yoda's not the only one. Um, but I got to tell you guys, like instantly, almost instantly, as I was sitting there processing this little child that looks very much not just like one of Yoda's people, but like straight up like Yoda, <laughs> that I'm sitting here. I mean, it's in the pod. This has clone written all over it. Even before like the internet started to notice like the Camino patch on the doctor's right. uh, arm and everything, like immediately I just started thinking like, interesting. We know the emperor is coming back in episode nine in the sense that we've heard his voice. I mean, I've been pretty spoiler free from episode nine, but I mean, we, we know he's coming back from, from the trailers. And if you look at the release schedule for the Mandalorian before the last episode comes out, there's a break. So you have a, basically an episode a week and then episode nine comes out the movie. And then you have the final episode of, of the Mandalorian the next week, which to me indicates that there is something going on here that is going to play directly into episode nine and guys, I got to tell you, I think we are definitely looking at a little clone baby Yoda that the emperor has been working on. Like maybe, maybe the Republic and, and therefore the empire had DNA records on the Jedi. Maybe we're going to uncover the fact that there's been like this, you know, extreme cloning of Jedi to try to recreate Metaclorians or for, you know, Palpatine to have that, you know, that backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan in place, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it, but I also recognize they, they, they got, they're, they're, they've got to kind of tread lightly because they are dealing with the subject matter that is going to be very precious to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I have been doing this past few days is been playing a uh, Jedi fallen order. I've lost way too much time to society playing this video game sure. and I don't want to spoil everything that's going on, but the theme is they're, they're trying to track down an artifact that had a holocron. Basically. I don't know if they've called it a holocron exactly, but it's basically a location of all force sensitive children. So, I mean, since Disney has picked up this nice little, um, thing called Lucasfilm, you have been able to see that they like to connect things. I mean, as soon as they got it in, they made Clone Wars canon. And from that point, they connected Clone Wars to Rebels. They added in characters into live action show, uh, live action movies that have connected to this. So I definitely think that there's some sort of connection going on. Um, I would... I love clones, so I would love for Baby Yodel to be a, a Baby Yoda clone, but we never know what Filoni and company has up their sleeve as far as like the bait and switch. So that's true, but I, I've been around long enough. Uh, I've been a Star Wars fan long enough, as I'm sure all of you guys have as well, to remember like the pre-prequel days when the speculation on the Clone Wars was that the Emperor, the Empire or something that came before it was cloning Jedi. Like The concept was not that you know, there would be these clones as an army, but the clone warrants had more to do with the idea that perhaps the, the, uh, the empire or whatever came before was actually actively trying to clone Jedi and using cloned Jedi against themselves. And so like, I love that, that there could potentially be this nod to what was a heavily speculated, like, you know, non-canonical theory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John, what do you have to say about that? Uh, I wish I had more to say, but like we, we broke this down last week. So, you know, we've already kind of given our, our theories. It, it's certainly possible. My hunch is that the reason why there isn't going to be a Mandalorian the week that rise of Skywalker drops is because they want everyone in the theaters. I have a feeling it was just a matter of, we want to launch Disney plus we've got a series in the can, you know, this is the time to, to put it out. I don't think that there's any, you know, master plan 
as far as this dovetailing into Rise of Skywalker, I'd be happy to be proven wrong because that would be very cool. If, if a couple years ago when Favreau was developing this, they realized there was an opportunity to kind of, you know, cross pollinate their, their properties. I would be totally game if something came of it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think JJ was working in a bit of a bubble. I think Favreau was working in a bit of a bubble and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of overlap, maybe little Easter eggs, you know, like maybe the razor crest shows up in the battle or something, but I don't think that we're going to get major plot points established in the Mandalorian. Uh, that said, I, I really would be happy to be proven wrong. Um, it, Cloning is established in, in universe, in Canon. Uh, we have the, the hint of the badge on the, the scientist's arm. So we know that they're either trolling us to kind of get us thinking in those terms, or there's really something to it. Either way, I'm happy because it, it feels like the way that they're unfolding this story, uh, it's in good hands. Like it feels very competent and it feels like they know where they want to go with the story, whatever they deliver, I think I'm on board with. So I don't want to start kind of defining where I want the show to go and then maybe be let down when, you know, that just doesn't, you know, that's not on their radar. I'm just happy to go along for the ride. I love that. It's a mystery at this point. I love that. It's got us talking. I'm just going to try and I don't know, be the, the voice of dissent here and, and just say, I think this story is kind of its own beast and, and I just don't see it really crossing lines too much. Can, can I ask a quick question to you guys? Cause, cause I was thinking about it after the fact, you know, we're left at the end of the episode and, and pardon me for jumping ahead, but like we were left to the end of the episode with kind of this idea of like the Mandalorian doesn't quite know what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, that kind of stuck out to me as something interesting because everything that we've seen in this series so far indicates that this guy is, is kind of like a, like a, like a proud Mandalorian. He knows kind of, you know, the, there's some sort of direct tie to the idea of heritage with Mandalore. Right. Like we don't know what that means for him personally or how that goes in, but you know, the the history of Mandalore, you know, like, oh, didn't your people used to ride, you know, the dragon of space thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me go ride the Blurg. Uh, great shout out, by the way, to 30 Rock, I'm assuming. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but anyway, so so my thought process is when when introduced to the, con- like, w- was his reaction coming from the fact that this baby is doing this thing or that, like, the Force, never seen the Force before because the Mandal- the Mandalorian's fought the Jedi. That's like a big arc in the history of their people. Yeah. Right. But he's a foundling. He's the man with no name. He doesn't know his own history. He hasn't gotten his signet, you know, like when he went to get his shoulder armor made, he doesn't have a clan. He doesn't have an identity. And you can tell that, um, part of what's motivating him is a desire to prove to himself that he is a true Mandalorian, but see, I guess he is worthy of the armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's my point. Like, wouldn't, but wouldn't he technically know their history for that reason, right? Like, if he's almost trying to sure. overcompensate for something, wouldn't it be like in that kind of department? Well, you, you got to ask yourself what these, uh, sort of like, young orphaned Mandalorians would know about their heritage at the time when he was coming up. You know, we, we saw him in peril as a youngster kind of, you know, being pulled through some battle, yeah. you know, so we know that in the not too, uh, near pa- or not too distant past, you know, he was upended. And so maybe, you know, he didn't get that indoctrination into the culture. And so mm-hmm. he's learning as he goes. Interesting. We, we don't really know. And you're absolutely right that the whole point of the Mandalorian armor was to be able to go toe to toe with the Jedi. See, so and he says, you know, guns are part of my religion. So you, you, you'd think that there'd be a bit more insight there, but at the same time, 
what you hear in stories about the Jedi being mighty warriors doesn't necessarily mean that you instantly make the connection to this little, you know, frog child and assume (laughs) that just because this particular species apparently has the ability to levitate or calm animals or whatever it is, Mm. that that instantly is something that you associate with Jedi. So it could just be that there's a big blind spot in his history and his heritage. And so it's not serving him well here to be able to put the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or it could be, you know, oh, go ahead. So we get an insight even from Kewell that he, um, whenever he asked the Mandalorian, like, can you explain to me what happened again? I don't understand. And the Mandalorian responds with, I don't either. And so this is one of those things where I think that the PTSD that we got referenced to in the first episode that the Mandalorian is facing is that I think that he was separated from his family at a very young age, separated from Mandalore specifically by the separatists and possibly even enslaved. We don't, we don't actually have a whole insight as to what, what happened. I think it would be awesome if that's the case that even wow, the yeah. tie into Jango Fett, like, okay, where did this not mandalorian get this mandalorian armor and it would be cool if it tied it into okay well the separatists had gained control of at least a section of mandalore and so it would make sense that maybe our mandalorian hasn't had access to all of the texts or to all the history because even he because uh, kewel's kind of reminding him like yeah you did ride the space dragons of old <laughs> and he's just like oh yeah i do i do kind of remember like to me his body language like he looked over and was like Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. I can do this. And so I think it might be something where as as he's continuing this relationship with Kewel, because I think he's coming back a lot, he's going to be kind of the uh, the the wills to Mandalorians in a way where he's he's teaching him about his heritage and like, oh, hey, I revisited your ancient text for Mandalore and found out that you fought the Jedi. Well, this is, this screams Jedi, what this kid's doing. Mm. Um, mm. And maybe Kewel knows a little more than what he's leading on. Um, I don't really know, but uh, Bell, what'd you have to say about it? Yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things where uh, the Mandalore, I feel like he was separated from his tribe, separated from his planet, doesn't know his own history. Uh, and this is, this is kind of like a, a, a process by which the reason why he's doing all these difficult bounties and why he wants to get so good is because he, so he can, uh, you know, join a tribe and, and, and get his full set of armor and all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense to me why he doesn't know these things. And, and I think it, uh, you're absolutely right with cool. Who's kind of like, no, no, no. Like I've been around the block. I know what's up. Like you, you can do this kind of stuff. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't know what he's capable of because he doesn't know the history of, of, of the Mandalores. And, and also we don't really know how old he is. So we don't know whether or not he even uh, was alive when the Jedi were around. I mean, granted, I, I thought, I thought the, the Mandalorian Jedi wars were like ancient mm-hmm. Mandalorian yes. history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so had you been raised in the tribe, you would know about that because I'm sure they would tell you those stories. But if you are growing up uh, in, in a, in a time period where the Jedi were, uh, you know, practically extinct, like at the end of episode three, uh, you might not know anything about the Jedi, especially if you're separated from your family and put into a situation where you don't have access to information like that. So, right. um, uh, I think, or, or maybe, maybe he heard about the extinction of the Jedi and he knew Jedi to be warriors. And he's just perplexed at the fact that there is this weird looking frog kid, uh, who can pick up animals that are huge with his mind. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's maybe, uh, maybe he's familiar with the force or, or is familiar with the idea of Jedi being warriors. And, he's very confused with the idea of the force being used in that way. Mm. Whereas, you know, like I, one of the things I didn't really like about, uh, episodes one, two, and three was the, the, the way that they made Yoda into this, like, you know, crazy fighter guy. Whereas, uh, I think Lucas's original kind of idea was more of the, um, 
uh, kung fu style master where the kung fu master never has to show his prowess because he can you know disarm you with just a sw- uh, you know a flick of his wrist or something like that so it looks effortless to him but by making yoda be like a real fighty guy it kind of diminishes his uh, in in my opinion uh his overall power with the force whereas like if he never had to wield a lightsaber and could defeat enemies just by using the force mm-hmm. and his strength in the force i think that kind of strengthens that kind of like you know wise old sage jedi master kind of thing and so maybe that's uh that's why the Mandalorian has no idea what's going on. It's because he's always associated the force with warriors and with fighting and uh, never with babies. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember Han Solo's lifespan overlapped the era of the Jedi. And in a new hope, he says that he's been to one end of the galaxy to the other, and he's never seen anything to make him believe in the force. So even though we've seen all these adventures with Jedi and the force, it's a big universe. And 99.99% of the people never encounter anything mystical, you know, in their existence. So, um, I, I think we just got to chalk it up to this guy's on a journey of self-discovery and the universe is a big enough place that it's okay to concede that maybe he just doesn't have all the info he needs to really figure out what's going on right now. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even even Anakin in episode one, when he saw uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber, he knew what it was, but he was also, you know, Anakin obviously had a connection to the Force uh, from a young age. I think that that's pretty, uh, pretty relevant there. Um, and But he, everyone else was kind of, you know, no one really believed in the, you know, as Harrison Ford called it, some mumbo jumbo that. You know, all that, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I can, I can see why there's that confusion, but I, I do, I do kind of have issues like what, what Bo was saying is that, okay, if he is some hardcore Mandalorian, I would, I want an explanation as to why he didn't pick up on the four stuff. And I think we're going to, we're going to see that through his relationship with Kuehl and through some more flashbacks. Is he a hardcore Mandalorian though? Is that not the whole point? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, and, that's a good question. Like that is the question I think that this series like seeks to answer to some extent, right? right? Exactly. So I think that's why it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as he progresses and and gets more competent and more you know in tune with with who he is, uh, he might become the Mandalorian. But yeah. right now. Huh. You know, he doesn't even have uh, a, a, a working chest plate. You know, he's a, he's a far cry from, you know, the, the Mandalorians of old. So I, I think that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling that as he continues his journey and as he continues uh, uh, doing these things, like, like as we saw in the first episode, he, he gets the one bounty. He's able to pay for one piece of his armor. And I, I feel like every episode, I, I thought what it was going to be is every episode would end with him getting another piece of right. the armor until he's finally uh, finished yeah. the set. Uh, but uh, that, that's clearly not the case in this, but I, I feel like that's going to be the thing is like, once he has accomplished enough to purchase his full set of Mandalorian armor, that's when he's really going to come into his own. And that's why uh, I feel like right now he just doesn't really know a lot about his heritage and he's trying to fight for a place amongst the tribe. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, they, he's clearly a Mandalorian because otherwise I don't think they would be making him the armor and she wouldn't, um, the, the armor Smith wouldn't have, you know, referenced that, you know, it's good to have it back in the tribe and stuff like that. I don't think mm-hmm. she would have, you know, uh, made him armor where he not a real Mandalorian, but like, I, I think it's a thing where it's like, yeah, you're a Mandalorian. But you still got to prove yourself. Right. Like nobody, nobody gets a, uh, gets a free ride on, yep. on, on Mandalore. This is his Jedi trials. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. he's Peter Pan. So I think what happened is he was an orphan and the, this tribe that he's currently with found him and was like, Oh, you're a Mandalorian come and join. And so I think that I don't think he was raised by his parents. I think that that's no. a pretty, yeah. a pretty big well, thing the- we're seeing. Yeah, the whole idea of him being a foundling, we have to assume that after the Mandalorian culture was devastated, that 
some Mandalorians of means probably went out and tried to find, you know, some kids that were maybe taken from their families or put in slavery or whatever it was They They were probably trying to recover, you know, their people and bring them home, but you end up with a lot of, you know, broken kids in need of direction. And I think, you know, that's probably the era that he came out of. Yeah. Which ties directly into like, you know, the nature of even this episode, right? The child. So mm-hmm. in his desire to kind of connect with, with this kid or, or, you know, kind of he sees it immensely. He wants to, he's, he doesn't just save it at the end of the first episode. He also reaches out his finger to connect yeah, with yeah. it. And then we see throughout this episode, as the child tries to connect with him, he kind of pushes it away. So there's clearly some trauma at play. You know, I think it is worth referencing too, that a large part of like where the story here for this episode comes from is uh, from a, a samurai story called Long, Lone Wolf and Cub. Ah, um, yes. Lone Wolf yeah. and Cub. It's yes. a great, like, yeah. It's a manga that also kind of became a, a a film series. And it's it's what's great, too, about this is that, like, you know, so much of, of both Star Wars and Western films, of which are very heavily on play here, all come, like, from direct inspiration to Shogun and Samurai uh, stories and, and especially classic cinema. Uh, cinema. Yeah, Kur- Kurosawa was a huge influence you, on Lucas. You cannot overstate the amount of impact that Kurosawa had, not just on Lucas, but honestly on American film. Um, you know, yeah. our Western classic, what we were kind of known for, what we were known for before kind of the, the modern era of of uh, Hollywood was Westerns. And those directly came from Kurosawa's influence with, with uh, his samurai films. So it's all tied up together. And I expect almost every single episode to have likely a Western kind of reference to it. And also a, some kind of samurai reference to it. And this one, the big one was lone wolf and cub because of that kind of carrying around this little baby in the midst of all of these action packed fights. I loved watching the little egg chase the, uh, the sand crawler. (laughs) (laughs) It's oh, yeah, very cool great. that Favreau is pulling from the same source material that George Lucas originally pulled from, uh, not just Kurosawa and, you know, Asian cinema or Westerns or, you know, uh, the, the space fantasies and serials, um, or the same action adventure serials that, um, he parlayed into Indiana Jones. Um, it, it's, it's just really great that because Favreau isn't making star Wars based on star Wars. He's making star Wars based on the same source material the right that the original came from. Yep. It feels more star Warsy as a result. You get that worn universe. You get, um, characters with very clear motivations like the archetypes of Joseph Campbell. A lot of that gets lost. You know, there's a, a big push to make star Wars more gray and make characters more complex. And it's not always about good and evil anymore. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's about not joining, you know, like there's, there's a whole lot of other themes that they're, they're, they're trying to turn to, to make star Wars have some sort of, you know, emotional core, thematic core, but Hey, when you go back to its roots, it works so much better. And I really love, you know, that, that this series is, is capturing so much more than I think maybe what some of the newer star Wars fair is able to do because it, it understands its heritage. And Favreau is doing that very well. And the other thing too, I think it can't, I mean, you can't understate, understate this enough either is Filoni uh, or overstate this enough. Like, like Filoni, if you go back and look at, at the clone wars, he mm-hmm. un, like it, you almost felt this tug of war going back and forth in that series between where George Lucas is now and Filoni tapping into where George Lucas was before in terms of his right. influence. And which is kind of perfect for what that series needed to be. But what I loved is that you, you always felt that tension there and that at the core Filoni understands like we got, we got the man that made it all right here. So we're going to listen to him. 
But but I've studied his work and I know where he was when he was making this. And we're going to make sure we're still listening to that as yeah. well. And so you get that. Like, this is why these two dudes, man, I am so glad <laughs> these two dudes are like driving this thing forward. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you see it throughout all the characters. I mean, who th- would thought we'd get an Ugnaught in the desert? You know? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. some legitimately riveting Jawa, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> set pieces. Drunken Jawas, man. <laughs> Give me that egg juice. Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with all the tension of. We'll make an egg the- martini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we want to hit the, the Jawa stuff on its own, so maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but. Uh, we we all saw the the obvious homage to Indiana Jones, right? Mm-hmm. In the in oh the, yeah, oh the, yeah, with the, the, the sand crawler chase. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I I don't know. I guess maybe it's time to throw back to Zach to move the conversation along because uh, yeah, we dug pretty deep on uh, <laughs> Hidden Fortress and Kurosawa. Well, yeah, there's definitely a new theme that's going on. So uh, this theme that has been present in both episodes, beyond the Western space samurai type of thing, is a very sinister approach to classic characters. I mean, so in the first episode, we saw the space rats get roasted. Mm. And then now we get something that I enjoyed because I'm a little bit sinister. And if I'm willing to bet, uh, I'm assuming Bell probably got a kick out of this too. The Jawas just getting disintegrated by the Mandalorian. I got to quote some C-3PO on this. Jawas, disgusting creatures. like i'm watching it and i turn over to my wife and i'm like oh my gosh this show is amazing just because we've never seen anything like that before so we get this this very classic era of of alien that we you know we don't really know much about we know that they're junkers we know that they they steal and and you at least for me i hated them right away i'm like oh these guys are cheats like they're they're these these nasty little guys that are just going they need to get disintegrated and then i'm watching this i'm just the mandalorian just taking them all out one by one was just a fun little ride. But, I mean, do you guys think that we're going to see a theme of this in every episode where, like, one classic species just gets disintegrated by the Mandalorian? <laughs> I mean, Salacious Crumb, like... Oh! That, that was, that was like... I, I don't know what species he is, but, like, it was just, you know, you see one of them getting roasted, and the other one's, like, behind the crit, like, the little... <laughs> eh, you know, like, I was like, I was like, oh, man. Well, you know, because but Salacious Crumb's a, he was a jerk, and I'm sure maybe the rest of his... People are, 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 I don't know. That's like, speciesist, you know, Bell. Don't you dare. I, I'm being speciesist. I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> uh, uh, that was, yeah, that was interesting to see that. And yeah, you know, with the Jawas, it's, uh, they, they're, they're, they're thieves, they're scavengers, uh, they're cheats. They're all of these things. And like the only other time we'd ever seen anything like that happen to Jawa was when the stormtroopers uh, found their sandcrawler in a new hope and like massacred them. Right. And, uh, previously, you know, there was just like throwing the corpses and stuff like that. But I, I think it was, it was, it was really interesting to see the Mandalorian just vaporize him. Like, you know, they're, they're stealing his ship. They're doing this stuff. And like, uh, of course that, that, that's, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair play. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is, this is the wild West. So even right. though the Mandalorian's the good guy, he has an honor code that he sticks to. If you cross him, if you steal from him, it's all bets are off, right? Like at that point they are an outlaw. Uh, there's only one end ultimately to deal with an outlaw and uh he has no compunction about making the call and putting in his little uh you know disintegrator uh shells yeah <laughs> and like, getting like, to work 
and and that was it was just like the the uh, lever action revolvers uh, that you see in westerns a lot, where mm-hmm. they they uh, they sideload you know rounds, yep. uh, and but that one's like a breach action. I thought that was super cool, kind of throwback to like you know western weapons and how George Lucas used a lot of original weapon designs mm-hmm. in order to create the weapons for Star Wars. Uh, just just all this all the stuff we were talking about earlier with Favreau going to the roots and understanding the roots of Star Wars and understanding where Lucas was is just it's just throughout this show and it's great and. Um, and 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 even you know with that said it's like we have creepy jawas who are doing creepy stuff with this creepy furry egg and <laughs> like if, if that's not reason enough to disintegrate then that was just creepy like what was that all about well so i thought that we were going to get like a a cross universe thing to where they were going to take this to Hagrid over in Hogwarts or something and try to raise this egg. But no, they get it and they just chop it open and start drinking the yolk. Like they're eggaholics. Like this is just yeah. weird. I, I, I completely agree with you, Zach. I thought they were going to take the thing and raise it and then like, you know, try to try to sell it to somebody or something like that. But no, they just eat it. And like, that's so, that's so weird. No, I man. think it's an indication of how like unsavory and uncultured and um like, Un, unthoughtful Jawas are right. Like they, they, they have no problem taking whatever there's, there's no morality among them. And at the same time, they're like, uh, just they're, they're completely given to their cravings in a way too. So it just kind of shows that there's nothing redeeming about them as a, as a species. There's no <laughs> character. There's nothing restraining them. Uh, they have their vices and their lusts and that's as valuable to them as anything they could pillage. It's just funny that, you know, in their hierarchy of needs, you know, this, this egg is just as valuable as everything they scavenged from, uh, the Mandalorian. So it, it just says something. Yeah. Just about how worthless they are as a, mm-hmm. as a species. They're a bunch I of agree. freaks. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it's <laughs> one of those things. Freaks. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, you see the Mandalorian vaporize the Jawas and I'm sure people are like, Oh, what is he doing to the poor Jawas? No. And then we see the egg scene and you're like, he needs to kill more Jawas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> These things are all. a plague on the <laughs> galaxy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I really enjoyed this conversation, but the last question I want to ask is we don't exactly know what the Mandalorian is doing with Yodel. So he gets all this stuff. He goes out of his way to fix his ship so that he can ultimately return to whatever it is he's going to return to. And right. so he gets all this stuff from the egg sucking eggaholic Jawas that need to die. Um, and he, <laughs> he repairs his ship, but I'm, I'm really curious. What do you, so I'll shoot this to John first. So, John, what do you think the Mandalorian is doing with Yodel? Well, we've we've got a little bit of foreshadowing. First off, he's a foundling. When he has extra Beskar, that's what the Mandalorian ore is called, right? Beskar? Yes. When he has a little bit of extra, he gives it to the tribe so that they mm-hmm. can, you know, help foster more foundlings. So we know that he's got a soft spot for kids. We know that he's got some baggage there that makes him... Uh, a little bit more given to sympathizing with kids. We know that when push came to shove, he was not going to stand there and let IG 11 nuke the kid. We know that he, you know, reached out to make contact with it, you know, kind of in a, a moment of solitude there. He, he was genuinely interested in this little creature. So he's shown a, a soft spot for Yodel. Yeah, you know, it was a little creepy though. So him wiggling his finger just above the crib, like I get it. Like you, of well, course, that's what anyone camera. does with a baby at a crib, right? Like, there's not much you can do with a baby, but if you're trying to make you know get their attention or whatever, you know, are you you know are you responsive? Are you awake? Like, yeah. are you understanding that I'm a thing here in front of you? I, I get it. He's trying to assess what this little guy is and does he have value and is he something that needs to be protected? Um, so you get a lot without a lot of words there, just in silhouette there at the end of the first episode. In this episode. We see again, he's 
dealing with, um, you know, the mud horn and he's still making sure that Yodel is out of the way of danger. Um, and all the more so now that Yodel saved him, he's honor bound, right? Like if yeah. he's willing to give half the bounty to farmer Ugnot, you know, for helping him with his ship or whatever, you know, being his, his little spirit guide there in, in the desert, how does he square the idea of taking something that saved his life and handing it over to surely be, you know, I don't know, experimented on or killed or whatever uh, the empire wants to do with it. At this point, I don't see any scenario where the Mandalorian acquiesces and goes for the money over protecting this kid. So we have the Mandalorian taking this yodel somewhere. Do you think he's going to go and collect the bounty and turn over yodel? Or do you think he's going to do something else? Uh, Okay. So again, you know, he loves kids, but we don't really know. I've seen the speculation that, you know, some people think that these additional bounties are coming from the same main dude that hired him. Like he's just hiring them separate from the doctors knowing it. Cause clearly he was kind of okay with it dying. Even though the doctor dude who does not appear to hold rank here really wants him alive. So mm-hmm. all that to say, I think it's clear that by delivering uh Yoda, Baby Yoda, Yaddle, whatever, Yaddle, whatever you want to call him. I clone Yoda. I'm going to call him clone Yoda. Uh, by delivering clone Yoda to, uh, to the, the people, to the client, I, I, think, I don't think there's any reason at this point in his mind why he wouldn't do that. Um, mm. I think that the job makes, you know, he's doing, he's doing kind of an under the table deal. He realizes going in, there's going to be some under the table things at play. He does not have enough information on his client to imply that they're going to do anything bad to this kid except the imperial signet around the client's neck <laughs> even that, except for that even that though even that though like if if you look at it for, he's he's if he's willing to do a deed for imperials you know what i mean like then yeah. he knows he's already he's already morally a little compromised in that situation exactly this is not a righteous man right so he yes. he knows that he is willing to so, so he's willing to do that and i think that if if he thought that they were going to kill the kid then he probably would not now you can make the argument that you know he offed not ig88 for you know, to make sure that the the uh, the money was still you know higher than it would have been otherwise. I think I think that at this stage of the game, yeah, he's he's willing to turn it in. Will he by the end of things? I don't know. He might get more information between now and turn in points. And we've seen in previews, obviously, that there's probably going to be a standoff in in the near future mm-hmm. with right. them. So I, I would imagine that that's going to play in as well. So will he ultimately turn it in? Probably not. Will he in his mind still turn it in at this point? Yes, I think he's still planning on making that move. Yeah, Very I completely agree with you. I think that it's going to turn into a classic thing. We're going to see him like opening scene in the next episode, walk into the client's, you know, sketchy building. That's just weird that he's hiding in there, um, but into that sketchy little room. And we're going to see the floating egg with him and, it, and it's going to be closed. And I think it's going to be a classic, like, you know, uh, Western type of thing. Like, hey, so what are you going to do with him? And then they're going to say something that sounds immoral. And then the Mando, that's where yeah. that big shootout's going to be that we've seen in the previews. That's my theory. Um, but, uh, Bell, what do you think he's doing with Little Yodel? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because I feel like he, you know, we, we've all stated it, right? He's got this connection with the kids and, and he himself being a, uh, you know, damaged kid with a rough, uh, rough childhood, he comes across this orphan, right? Uh, and, and so he, there's this instant connection there. And so I feel like, you know, when IG 11 was like, we can just terminate it and go ahead and get our reward. And he was like, no, it's because he didn't want the kid to die. So there's some kind of yeah. protection thing there. I don't think it was about the reward at all. I think it was because IG eight, IG 11 thought the most logical way to do this and the easy easiest way to do this was to kill it because that was a requirement and or that that was a that was an acceptable right. um uh, uh way to turn in the, the bounty and so 
uh, he doesn't want the kid to die. I, Zach, I kind of agree with you. I think there's going to be a situation where he's, he's like, I need to help my tribe. I need to help other orphans of my tribe. And the best way for me to do that is to get all the best card that I can. And this guy, this, I'm, I'm guessing who is an Imperial governor. I think Warner Herzog mm-hmm. is an, is a former Imperial governor. Um, and, and he's the best way he can help those Mando children is to get all of this best car so they can make more armor for all the kids and stuff. So, um, I feel like it's going to be a situation where he's going to be reluctant, but he thinks, all right, well, this is the best situation for me and my tribe. And then it's going to be a thing where they're like, well, we're going to do all these horrible experiments because we're trying to, uh, clone the emperor, for example. And I don't, I don't think Yodel's is a clone. I think he's an actual representative of his species. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to clone the emperor, but they can clone troopers, right? They can clone Django Fett. They can do all that kind of stuff because he's not force sensitive. But when you have a, such a powerful force user, you can't clone them correctly. And so maybe they're trying to get this specimen of a very powerful force user so they can clone it better and clone it more accurately. Or and harvest clone... the midichlorians. Yeah. You need some Yoda juice to bring the yeah, emperor back. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe, yeah. maybe Harf- to clone a ray. <laughs> Oh, yeah. mm. And there actually, you know what? I, I as as much as I was poo-pooing the the conspiracy theories earlier, we know that part of um, you know, whole Operation Cinder and what was happening on Jakku at the end, the, you know, the last stand of the the Empire, we know that there was some facility there on Jakku, and we know that it had something to do with like the darker sciences that you know Palpatine was into. Um th- it would not be that far fetched to think that we're only a couple years out from that, that the diehard imperialists who, who refuse to accept that the empire is done and gone with are still trying to stick to the game plan and are still trying to, you know, pursue these, these ends that, that the emperor had set up before the, the end of the, you know, the, the battle of Jakku. So, uh, that's totally on the table. As far as I'm concerned, I could see something like that kind of tying into it. Yeah, and and I and I feel like uh, the Mandalorian doesn't care about the Empire one way or the other. He sees this as, as a means to an end, right? Turning in this mm-hmm. baby, but like, I, I I honestly think he wouldn't even care if they were trying to clone the Emperor. But I I, I really think <laughs> what's going to cause the 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 breakdown of that and him to uh, not turn in this bounty is going to be the fate of of, of Yodel. And I I really feel like that's going to be the turning point. There is he's going to be like, well, you know what? All the best guard in the, in the universe isn't isn't worth what you're going to do to this to this kid this you know poor helpless not really helpless because apparently it's a very powerful force user but whatever uh <laughs> so right. and I, I think that's i think that's what's going to happen with it and and it's going to be it's going to be interesting because like where do you go from there you're a mandalorian you have a baby um that can use the force uh i mean lone wolf and cub i mean you know, like like, like Bo said earlier i mean that's really where that goes is that you have this you know powerful warrior and this little kid and they're and they're going on these adventures i think i think that could be really neat mm-hmm yeah, and I'm just waiting for my reference of uh, Yoda and Luke with little Yodel on the back of Mandalorian and just like kind of hanging on there. I think that's coming. Um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> hey, Yoda's in backpacks. That's that is true mm-hmm. Star Wars. That yeah, th- I could see an homage. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think we have so much speculation here that we have enough to do the hashtag heard it here first. So whatever happens, whatever happens in the finale, I'm going to go back and edit this episode and just keep the right uh, speculation in there. Uh, <laughs> So this was so much fun, guys. And so now I'm going to kick it over to Bo. Um, Bo, do you have any final thoughts on The Mandalorian? And then where can the people find you? Yeah. So, uh, man, The Mandalorian, I'm, I'm, I am here for this show. I, you know, I was so excited uh, the day of that I took the entire day off work, <laughs> thinking, not knowing that we were only going to get one episode. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this again. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I've 
been in kind of Western mode lately anyway, just kind of in that whole thematic uh, mindset. And so seeing that in Star Wars, I mean, it just fits like a glove. It's, it, it, it's here. It belongs here. Um, you know, I've already mentioned it a couple of times already, but uh, Filoni and Favreau, these two guys know what they're doing. And so they have, they have the kind of the, the credit with, uh, with the fan community to be able to try some stuff and, and to, you know, and to get a little bold in some of these decisions and already they have kind of, you know, delivered in, in big ways. Um, it's, it's a love note to true fans. And I'm, you know, I know that some people are kind of tentative about this. They want to see how it all plays out, but I'm ready to go full in at this point. And, you know, if they're going to break my heart, they can break my heart. It's here to be broken. You know, I'll put it out on the table and let them do it. Mm. But I'm, I'm here for it, man. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, of course, Bell and I, we are uh, podcasters from the Flash TV Talk podcast. Uh, man, you can find that at uh, tvtalk.fm along with some other great podcasts, including Star Wars TV Talk. Uh, by the way, if you head over to tvtalk.fm, we've also got a banner for our upcoming Crisis House Party in uh, Austin, Texas. For those that are familiar, the DC TV universe is all coming to a head in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. And we are uh, throwing a bit of a house party in Austin, Texas. Uh, there's details at tvtalk.fm, but we'd love for you to join us December 10th in Austin, Texas. Uh, there's going to be food. There's going to be drink. There's going to be a live watch party. There's going to be a live podcast. It's going to be a blast. So if you want to uh, geek out with some fellow geeks in the TV talking world, Join us there again. Details at tvtalk.fm. And if you want a step-by-step instruction on how to open clams with your feet, uh, Bell, where can they find you? Uh, well, again, I'm, I'm a co-host on Flash TV Talk, so you can find me there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Ring That Bell, spelled B-E-A-L-L. Uh, and yeah, I, I also do the podcast Legends TV Talk. Uh, that one we obviously haven't started yet because Legends hasn't started yet. So look for that one here in January, I believe. So uh, yeah, that's me. And John, where can the people find you? Uh, my side hustle, snlpodcast.com. We cover all new Saturday Night Live. We got Harry Styles performing tonight, so we're going to drop our coverage of that on Monday. And uh, yeah, check it out, snlpodcast.com. And you can find Star Wars TV Talk on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk, and you can find our Star Wars TV Talk master feed at StarWarsTVTalk.com. Please leave us a nice little five-star review on iTunes and join us next time, and may the Force be with you. Always.